0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: This is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory.
2: G'day there. My name's Matt Brand. Welcome to the program. The new bridge at Fitzroy Crossing in the Kimberley is now officially open to all
3: traffic six months ahead of schedule. We now have a 250 metre bridge, a $250 million bridge, which has remarkably sprung out of this community.
2: Yeah, what lessons have been learnt for future infrastructure projects in the north? We'll be talking about this soon. Also today you'll get to hear from the sugar industry in Queensland and the tough decisions that it's making as Cyclone Jasper slowly approaches. We will be speaking to the Weather Bureau at five past one, so if you've got a question about that cyclone, ...or anything else weather-related this week. Send it through on our text line and we'll put it straight to the Bureau. So that number is 0487991057. We're broadcasting right across the Territory on the ABC. Streaming online and g'day there if you are tuning in via the podcast. Tragic news over the weekend with NT Police confirming that well-known pastoralist Mike Harding was found dead in the wreckage of a helicopter crash. Mr Harding was reported missing on Thursday evening when he failed to return to his much-beloved Gorry Station. Search crews eventually found the crash site on Saturday evening. Friend and fellow cattle producer Tom Stockwell says Mike was the barefoot beating heart of the Sturt Plateau and everyone's thoughts are with his family.
4: Uh, well, Mike and I became friends some 30, 40 years ago, I suppose, um, when we both moved on to the Sturt Plateau here, back when it was uh, only five or six properties um, and not too many people. So we've sort of, along with other people, grown up together in this fairly new district, really. Yeah, he'd come up from the Riverland in South Australia and, uh, and took over Gorry Station with his wife and family.
5: And what do you remember about him back then when he first um, moved up?
4: Oh, well, I mean, Mike's uh, just always been an energetic and a, a caring person that uh, really was his his first reaction was always just to give anybody that needed a hand a hand and he was always there to offer it before they asked. And uh, I guess it's that character that he's uh, that's kept going throughout his entire life, really.
0: Are, are there any particular examples you can think of um when he's been that person for you oh look
4: it it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it's a a ball that's broken down or you've got a fire or you need a hand with mustering cattle or you you're looking for someone that's lost uh you know back in the day mike would uh he t- he'd turn up to a fire on his battered old hilux and uh and a uh, and a water pump or and then after that once he got his beloved delta his little chopper you know if uh, any time you had an issue that mike would appear in his chopper and and just help you with whatever whatever it was you know um and if you had visitors or he had visitors um he, he would take them for a look around and particularly take people you know the number of people that he must have taken for a run uh, along his beloved Roper river and looked at red lily and palm alley and that sort of thing. It's it's truly countless, really. The number of people who have got uh, got really happy memories of our of our district and the Roper district and Mataranka, you know, courtesy of Mike's generosity, is just innumerable.
0: It sounds like he really loved being up in the chopper.
4: Ah, uh, yeah, he did. He was a he was a dedicated pilot, and um, and he he was. Uh, I mean, he had a, it was a yeah a lovely machine, and he. And he, uh, yeah, he did, he just, he did enjoy his flying. um, And he enjoyed, he enjoyed people. He loved people. um, And, and, uh, and then I I guess uh, Mike was, I mean, he was, he, he he really was the the barefoot beating heart of the Sturt Plateau. And uh, it's going to leave a fair bit of a hole with him gone, that it's going to take a lot of getting used to not having Mikey on the plateau, you know.
2: That's Tom Stockwell from Sunday Creek Station speaking to Lillian Rangia. The Mayor of the Europa Golf Region, Tony Jacks, says Mr Harding's death is a blow to the region and a real shock.
3: Uh, I put my prayers and
5: thoughts there uh, to the family, in particular Madarenka and Catherine and Europa Golf Region. Yeah, it's a bit of a shock right there to, to hear this at this time of the year. And yeah, it's lost for words to tell you the truth. I am wanted to send from uh, Roper Gulf Regional Council that we send our thoughts and prayers to the family at this present time and I'm a bit shocked to hear this and sorry that um, yeah, this sort of thing happened so
2: tragic. Mayor of the Roper Gulf Region, Tony Jack, there. In a statement from the NT Cattlemen's Association, it says this is a tragic accident and we ask that the family's privacy is respected at this difficult time. And from all of us here at the Country Hour, our thoughts are with Mike's family and friends.
3: G'day, I'm Bill West. Uh, I've been skippering trawlers in the NPF
5: for 43 years, and you're listening to the Country Hour.
2: You might have a song hey and then when we return here on the country hour we'll head across to the Kimberley. It was a big day at Fitzroy Crossing yesterday. Big crowd gathering on Highway 1 to watch the official opening of that new $250 million bridge. It's been built well ahead of schedule. Is it now the blueprint for doing things in the north? Uh, We'll talk about this after some Slim Dusty. It is 20 to 1 and you are tuned into the Country Hour. It was a big day in the Kimberley town of Fitzroy Crossing yesterday with a large crowd gathering to watch the new bridge officially open to all traffic. It was built six months ahead of schedule. It employed a bunch of locals that build. It cost 250 million bucks, but it is now open. Here is WA Premier
3: Roger Cook. Okay, it's great to be here at Fitzroy Crossing to celebrate the opening of the Fitzroy Bridge. Uh, We know just nine months ago this region was devastated by once-in-a-hundred-year floods, which devastated this community, wiping out homes, wiping out businesses and wiping out absolutely fundamentally important transport infrastructure. The uh, taking out of the, the Fitzroy Bridge devastated the community but not just this community it's an important part of our national highway network which meant that communities in the east east kimberley and beyond were all cut off so it was an incredibly important job to make sure that we stood up this transport infrastructure as quickly as possible just nine months later we now have a 250 meter bridge $250 $250 million bridge, which has uh, re- remarkably sprung out of this community.
2: That's the Premier, Roger Cook, who was there yesterday to cut the ribbon. A $250 million bridge built in nine months, ready to go. It's now officially opened. Louise Bellato is from the NT Road Transport Association. Uh, Louise, this bridge, it's on Highway 1. Can you remind us of earlier in the year when the old bridge got washed away what impact that had on the territory?
1: Well, it was a, a huge impact on the road transport industry. It was also the, uh, I think there was hundreds of kilometres of uh, road between Port Hedland and uh, Broome that were and Derby uh, that were affected. So the bridge was obviously the major uh, impactor, but we also had uh, very large sections of that Great Northern Highway that were underwater, thanks to ex-tropical cyclone Ellie.
2: That's right. The one that dumped a lot of rain around Timber Creek.
1: Exactly. That's right. And uh, yes, so we we were impacted for some substantial amount of time, not just by the bridge closure, but by uh, other roads also being uh, severely damaged.
2: And when the waters finally receded and a low-level crossing was installed there at Fitzroy Crossing for the dry season... Was it business as usual for the rest of 2023?
1: Well, no, because a lot of the time, uh, in, especially in the early stages and then when they had to go back to the uh, other low-level crossing, uh, trucks were having to break up. So that was a um, you know very time-consuming and uh, costly exercise to uh, run singles across until they had upgraded the, um, the lower level to take uh, triples. They did open that earlier for... Um, cattle trucks to be able to um, move triples across the low level but uh, for a lot of our freight guys they were doing singles and uh, ferrying backwards and forwards for a substantial amount of the dry season as well.
2: That's time and that's money isn't it?
1: It sure is and uh, that was the early stages where they're all doing the 600 you know a 6,000 kilometre detour that was uh, hugely impactful. Uh, There were a substantial number of the uh, fuel carters that still had to um, move freight, uh, fuel backwards and forwards. And um, then there were the um, the obvious ones, you know, Shaws and Jollies and, you know, General and Centurion, obviously, here uh, in the Territory as well, doing um, a lot of that freight task and doing the long way round. But um, it is a, a amazingly good news story in terms of the actual build uh, of the bridge, um, you know, for the... Western Australian government to work with the federal government and to get that procurement process completed in uh, eight weeks, which is what they're reporting versus the average being nine months. I think everyone has um, some lessons that we can learn from that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the significance of a $250 million bridge getting built in under a year.
1: It's fantastic. And also, I mean, that was a single-lane bridge. It was um, you know, a tricky bridge uh, at any time to navigate, especially at night time. Um, so now that it's uh, two lane, that's fantastic. Uh, but unfortunately, we are acutely aware that there are many, many other uh, vulnerable sections of not just the Great Northern Highway, but other sections of um, the National Highway Network in the Territory that need to continue to have uh, flood mitigation strategies applied to them.
2: Is there a bridge out there that worries you the most when the wet season arrives?
1: No, but all the the single-lane bridges, which I know the Western Australian Government is working on uh, across from um, Halls Creek, et cetera, and uh, through to um, Wyndham and Mm Kununurra, are very very vulnerable. So, you know, we were fortunate in the Territory that it dumped the rain at Timber Creek and then um, went into WA. But uh, any amount of um, rain of that measure is going to hugely impact us and uh, we do not want to have um, bridges you know, washed away at all.
2: What's been learnt from this Fitzroy job, do you think?
1: I think there's a number of learnings, actually. The one that's um, most applicable uh, to the Northern Territory is that um, federal government, um, state government alliance and the um, WA uh, main roads, which is our DIPL equivalent, uh, working with the, uh, the private sector, uh, to actually get the bill the bill done so efficiently, I mean it's phenomenal. We we were conjecturing, I think I might have even had a conversation with you at the beginning of the year that it could be as late as twenty twenty five that the bridge uh, was completed, and here we are at the end of twenty twenty three. Um, you know, and fantastic that it's open before the wet season proper starts. And just the way
2: that it was built, I've seen a video where they almost essentially slide the road across. Is, yeah. is, is, that, sort of, is that a new way of doing bridges?
1: Uh, not if um, you look um, internationally. I'm not sure whether there's been um, similar bridges constructed as quickly in Australia, but certainly 270-metre bridge span is a good-sized bridge, and uh, definitely, I think there will be some um, civil engineers taking um, note uh, for the future. but they've also built it back stronger. Um, you know, emphasising that they've put a lot more bridge pylons in and gone twice as deep into the, um, the river bed. I mean, that speaks volumes of uh, the potential, you know, anticipated flooding uh, in the future, and that they don't want to see this this bridge um, wiped out again. Mm. And it's, it, that's a lesson for us all to uh, ensure that anything that we construct is going to stand the test of time.
2: Uh, one of my favourite fun facts about this bridge build is that apparently the amount of water that went down the Fitzroy River in one day was the equivalent of 20 years' worth of Perth's water use. That's huge.
1: An amazing hydrologist um, yeah. measurement that's incredible, yeah. It's
2: a lot of water. Um, they didn't make the bridge higher. Does that surprise you?
1: Uh, I'm not a bridge engineer, so I think I'll have to skip that one, yeah. um, Matt. But I was um, going to emphasise that we were very pleased with the um, ongoing funding of the Outback Way as well as the Tanami Road. So uh, what the Great Northern Highway, um, you know, closure highlighted was how important our arterial road network is and uh, certainly the Great Central Road saw a lot more um, heavy vehicle traffic because vehicles coming from uh, the Pilbara and uh, the north of Western Australia didn't have to go all the way down the air highway if they were coming into the territory and could get across uh, the unsealed section of the uh, Great Central Road. So continuing to uh, bitumen uh, the WA um, from Laverton to the Northern Territory border. The Territory has done an amazingly good job. Um, our civil contractors down um, on the other side of the Ogres, its it's gone really, really well to uh, Docker River, etc. So we're really positive about those arterial road networks having um, a critical job during times of emergency and needing not to be overlooked.
2: Yeah, so do you think the... The event there at Fitzroy has perhaps kicked those projects on just a, a little bit more.
1: Well, they're they're important reminders of just how costly uh, emergencies are, and uh, I'm not sure what the um, cost. What the monies were that were thrown at the uh, closure immediately after the, in the aftermath to feed the communities. But the barging and, um, as I said, the long way around um, freight task was not cheap. So it's definitely uh, money well spent to look at alternative routes in the circumstances.
2: Well, I really appreciate uh, your time today, Louise, and I assume like a lot of people, you're probably already keeping an eye on this next big weather event that's coming towards the north.
1: (laughs) Always, always, but um, Merry Christmas, Matt, and uh, it is a really good news story that the Fitzroy Crossing uh, bridge is open so quickly, and uh, obviously the, the heavy vehicle industry will use it very well.
2: If you head along to the ABC Rural website, there's a great story from yesterday's official opening of that bridge at Fitzroy Crossing. The whole community went along. They must have held up traffic for an hour or something. That's what it looks like. And, yeah, they had a barbecue, allowed all the locals to drive across and bit their horns. <laughs> One of those great events. You'd love to be there, wouldn't you? You'd love to be there. It's just great that it's open. Can you believe it? It's open six months ahead of schedule. Got a text here from Sprinkles. He says, Matt, how long did it take for the Vic River Bridge to be built? Uh, I was working out there then, says Sprinkles. Good question. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It got uh, opened in 2008, according to my notes, as to how long the new bridge over the Victoria took. I'm not too sure. We'll, um, we might... Uh, Get producer Max to start Googling that and see if we can get a build time on the Victoria River Bridge, which since being opened in 2008, it's gone underwater a few times, but thankfully has been able to handle that flood water. It's a big bridge, that one. And it was much higher than the original, much, much higher. But over in Fitzroy, they've stuck with the same height, but it's longer and it's dual lane. Now, as Louise mentioned, there uh, there was a lot of freight companies and just businesses in in the north in general who did it pretty tough this year because of the road issues there at Fitzroy Crossing. For example, Ben Coots, who is from the Nutrient Office in Katherine, he says getting hold of feed supplements for the cattle industry this year has been a bit tricky for a few reasons, including the highway problems there in the Kimberley.
5: The whole demand on the supplement across uh, Australia this year has been been pretty high so and I think a lot of um a lot of companies may not have forecast early enough to get raw product in a lot of the companies that make the supplements and then when the demand hit uh, they're sort of chasing their tail with production um getting supplement to us so um yeah it has been a, it has been a bit of a shortage for late dry season especially in that urea supplement space so I know a lot of companies have been very busy trying to get product made but uh, the other part of that is we probably forget that we, we can't sort of order something on a Friday afternoon and have it the next Tuesday. We're, we're in the middle of nowhere and, and so general lead times are two to three weeks if we're ordering full truck loads um, and that's that's probably blown out up, up to six and eight weeks and in some cases I've heard of lead times getting up so that 10 or 12 weeks uh, to get stuff to the Territory, get it made and get it to the Territory. So it has put a bit of pressure on producers as far as getting supplement for cattle, yeah. The other part of it is you just can't get enough trucks these days, um, so there's just not trucks sitting there with a the driver waiting to pick up 72-tonne lick and and launch themselves into the middle of Outback Northern Territory, so the transport uh, side of things is probably added to that as well. So,
0: In terms of talking about trucks, obviously the Fitzroy Bridge, um, has that... Uh, yeah, definitely. Unit?
5: That definitely effect- affected some of the supplement supply in the Territory um, that comes from WA, and, and a big part of that is the salt that um, we bring a lot of salt out of Fitzroy um, or out of Port Hedland, but it, come, it has to come through. Um, yeah, the Fitzroy River put a put a big hold on things, and that probably did use up a lot of trucks too, because there were a lot more trucks having to go uh, from that down route that tend to go down the west coast. So they have had to go down via South Australia. So um, yeah, there was cases where typically you're paying six or seven thousand dollars for a for a 40-foot trailer to come from Perth to Darwin, and that—that's probably doubled over that time.
2: Ben Coots from Nutrient Catherine speaking there to Jan Kahoot.
5: G'day, my name's John Lyon, and I work with compost in the Northern Territory to help farmers improve their soils. Compost and mulches are absolutely essential to good farming in hot climates like ours. And you're listening to the Country Hour.
2: Matt Brown with you this Monday lunchtime. I wonder if we've got anyone listening to the Country Hour this afternoon who has a copy of the Terence Alec Atlas. The Terence Alec. Has anyone got a copy? And if you do, do you know that there is now a 12th edition available? (laughs) And to those listening to the show going, what is he talking about? Terence Alec, what is that? Oh, it's a very famous atlas. And yes, there is a new edition out. How did it all start back in 1989? You'll find out in a moment on The Country Hour. Let's go to the Weather Bureau. There's lots to talk about. Juliet Barzen is there this afternoon. Uh, firstly, the Terence Alec Atlas. Are you aware of this mighty, mighty book, Juliette?
0: Oh, I might be. The name sounds familiar.
2: Sounds familiar. Okay, okay. It's all right. We'll let you uh, listen to the back end of the program. Um, I've got a little bit of audio here, Juliet. I am told on good authority that this is the sound of the Todd River flowing slightly on the weekend. You've got you to listen carefully. <laughs> I can hear more wind and birds, but there's just the faintest trickle there of the mighty Todd. Uh, tell us about rainfall figures over the weekend gone.
0: Certainly. Uh, over the weekend in the 72 hours, we saw some high highish totals. So Alley Curang got up to 21 mils. Upper Bond Springs, 31 mils. Bond Springs, 29 mils. Uh, Bond Springs turn-off, 12 mils. Alice Springs telegraph three mils, Um, Mount Lloyd, five mils, Sir Charles, sorry, 25 mils, Um, and some other smaller totals. Alice Springs Airport got two mils over the weekend, and in the district, Curtin Springs, uh, 10 mils. Yalara Airport, 15 mils. Wataka, eight mils. Uh, Tennant Creek, two mils. So some decent falls across the southern and central parts. That's in the
2: southern. What about uh, further north around the VRD? There's decent totals there, surely.
0: Oh yes, so uh, we're seeing 85 for the Koolaba, I think it's the biggest. Uh, It's in Timber Creek, uh, Vic Highway at 83 mils, Uh, Delamere Range 20 mils, Birimba 22 mils, Bolo River 30 mils, East Baines River 35 mils, Saddle Creek 39 mils, Uh, Victoria River Crossing 73 mils. Uh, Dashwood Crossing, 33 mils, Kalkarindji, 12 mils, Upper Wukum River, 19 mils and some other smaller falls there. So pretty widespread.
2: Okay, so tell us about the week ahead in terms of potential rainfall.
0: Uh, so there's a bit of a, a clearance to the south today. So we've still got some lingering cloud band over the uh, southeast of the Territory. but We're expecting that to clear further. Uh, but then it can't be ruled out that the chance there might be a very slight chance of showers and thunderstorms continuing over central and southern parts during the week.
2: Okay. So let's just talk about Jasper then, hey? Well, yes. What's it doing and what could it mean for the Northern Territory?
0: So currently, uh, Tropical Cyclone Jasper is a Category 1 system in, in the Coral Sea. It may weaken slightly further today as it tracks in a general westwards direction. Jasper's forecast to re-intensify during Tuesday as it approaches the Queensland coast. And so the system's forecast to cross as a Category 2 system on Wednesday, most likely between Cape Flattery and Cardwell. Mm -hmm. And it will weaken as it moves inland during Thursday to the Gulf of Carpentaria. There's still the chances of the system being a bit slower and potentially reaching Category 3 if if it does track slower. And what this means for us is that there's a moderate chance of around 25 to 35 percent that Jasper could redevelop um, into a tropical cyclone in the, in Gulf. the Gulf of right. Carpentaria mm. during Friday or over the weekend. Um, so there's still a bit, quite a bit of uncertainty around that. Um, so it's, uh, we're talking a moderate chance in the Gulf of from Friday over the weekend. Um, that These tropical cyclones in the Gulf can be a bit erratic in their movement and development. Yep. Um, but it is likely that showers and thunderstorms will become more active over the, the northern top end later in the week. The exact focus of that will depend on the movement and development of Jasper. And the seven-day... Outlook product for TCS is showing that there's a moderate chance of a tropical cyclone being located somewhere over quite a broad area, including the Top End, Northern Waters, Gulf of Carpentaria, and Cape York Peninsula during Sunday and Monday. So the possibility of a tropical cyclone impacting Darwin early next week can't be ruled out but there's still a lot of uncertainty at this stage um, where the system will track, if it will be a tropical low or if it will develop into a cyclone and what that looks like.
2: Okay. We could be in for an interesting week, but I guess the, the first port of call is for this cyclone to actually cross the coast. So I've got here on the track map that it's, at this stage, expected to pretty much cross over Port Douglas. <laughs>
0: Uh, yes, that's that's yeah, that's, um, yeah. Yep, that's right. Uh, so that that's um, but of course you can see there's also this cone huge of variation of uncertainty. Of, yeah, yeah. See that that means the centre could be anywhere inside that cone. The um,
2: cone of uncertainty. Yeah, yes. I love it. Uh, I've got a message here from weather correspondent Sprinkles, who says this cyclone's going to skull drag the monsoon to the top end. Do you like that sort of language, there, Juliet? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I don't mind a bit of a bit of colour in the language. Yeah, Keep yeah. things lively, and he could, yeah, he could it be will, right. He could be right. If, if there's potential for that um, for that enhanced activity with the broad low pressure. Uh, yeah, in the longer term, that might help bring a monsoon our way, but if that's still a ways off. We'll have to see. It's already currently a bit more active across the Timor Sea and and the waters to our north.
2: Okay. Uh, and just quickly, there is a chance for potentially severe uh, fire weather later on this week. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's right. So there'll be a little bit of a, a wind surge in the south coming through later in the week from Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, We're looking at a fire dangers reaching potentially extreme for the northern Barclay district.
2: Okay. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Appreciate it.
0: My pleasure,
2: Juliet Buzzard. There at the Weather Bureau. It's twelve past one. You are tuned into the Country Hour. Whoa, look at some of these temperatures in Central Australia. We didn't even cover that with Juliet, but uh, looks like Yalara is expecting a top of just twenty-two degrees today. That beats forty-five, doesn't it? Twenty-two degrees at Yalara, a top of twenty-four at Docker River, Alice Springs expecting a top of twenty-six.
4: My name is James Gorry from TrainSafe NT just before you drive out bush, just do a quick inspection under your car or under the bonnet. So just keeping vehicles clean so we're not spreading biohazards, soil diseases or weeds. And enjoy listening to the Country Hour. Oh, we will. And
2: I'm now really intrigued to know if we've got listeners who have got a, a copy of the Terence Alec sitting at home on the bookshelf. Do you have one? What do you love about it? <laughs> 0487 is our text number. Call in all Terence Alec fans. There's a new edition that's been launched. You'll meet the creator very, very soon. Let's head to far north Queensland. Everyone watching Cyclone Jasper closely. Farmers doing what they can to prepare. At the Tully Sugar Mill, Their season is almost over. They're so close to the end of the crush. But there's still a bit of work to be done. There's still some crop that does need to be crushed. So a decision is set to be made today as to whether to keep on going on or to shut down the mill for cyclone preparations. Tully Sugar's general manager is John Edwards.
6: Yeah, I guess we, we're, we're going to be needing to make a very tough decision about, about what we do. You know, we absolutely want to get this, all this crop off, but we need to consider the, the safety of yeah, all of our people out there, all the, you know, the harvesting contractors, our, our mill workers or, or our other contractors and, and their families. So, um, yeah, even though we're looking outside now to a beautiful blue sky, we're going to, to be needing to make um, a tough decision today, I think.
7: It will be a decision that you'll make today, John?
6: Um, I, I guess we, um, yeah, as, as everybody else in far North Queensland, we're watching the, um, the updates as they come through. Um, yeah, I guess we'll be waiting for the 11 o'clock update and, and see if that track change is, has happened and what we believe the impact will be to us. Um, but, yeah, I, I do believe we're going to have to be putting some um, information out to our, our workforce and the growing community um, today.
7: What are the logistics of shutting down a sugar mill so close to finishing?
6: yeah i guess that's you know we can hit yeah, um we can stop harvesting quite quickly but um you know after we stop um harvesting and we uh, and finish crushing that cane to, to to shut the factory down properly is a really a 24-hour process um we can do we can do it a lot quicker um but then we're making compromises and um there could be consequences for that and i guess then we don't know how long we will be down for and um and what a, a startup would be to to finish processing what is in the factory
7: and is that part of uh, your considerations right now, John Edwards? That uh, if you shut down, if there is a possibility you might not fire it back up again?
6: Well, I guess, yeah. I guess if we get if we don't get the wind down here in Tully, but we get um, three or four hundred mill of rain, I think it will probably end the possibility of harvest, harvesters getting into the paddock. But then we will still have to to start back up to process whatever is um, is is left within the factory
7: righto when, and what's your best case scenario sitting at the mill as the general manager of operations
6: oh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think we can get all the cane off and we can and we can um, you know um, um, commence shutting down sort of midday tomorrow to be finished at sort of mid midnight and um, and then allow everybody to to get where they need to be as the rest of the people in Far North Queensland, I, I guess we just do not know what is, um, yeah, what the impact will be on, on us at this stage. Well, I guess we're just trying to trying to consider as many possibilities and probabilities as, as we can so we can make an informed decision when that time comes.
2: That's John Edwards from Tully Sugar speaking there to Charlie McKillop. That cyclone expected to cross the Queensland coast on Wednesday. Up next on the Country Hour, we'll be talking about the Terence Alec. A new edition has been printed. Have you got a copy at home? And if you don't know what the Terence Alec is, well, make sure you stick around. This is Neil Cam, down the Murrungjai. Fifteen hundred bullocks down
4: the Murrungjai. It's
2: twenty past one here on the Country Hour. Did you know there are 18 pastoral properties in Queensland called Retreat and there's 24 of them called Glencoe but here in the northern territory there are no double up of station names they're all got their own individual names now how do i know all of this well it's because it's written down in the Terence Alec this book this atlas of Queensland and territory pastoral maps it all started back in 1989 and the owners, Terry and Rosemary Alec, have just released the 12th edition of the Terence Alec. Terry says he's always been interested in the stories behind station names. But the idea for the Atlas was originally born out of necessity.
8: Somebody call up and say, can you come and muster this place at Theodore or something like that or Wondowan? The property name wasn't anywhere. No one knew what this place was. And then you found out oh, it was a bit cut off a rigolo block and given to a son or whatever. And I just thought, well, I'll have a go. And I got onto a couple of cartographers in the uh, Department of Natural Resources, and they just tried to give me a bit of a hand for a while. So we just plotted off. We started off by selling a reproduction of an old Robinson pastoral map, and that helped pay for the gathering of the new information. And what we did was, we went, went through phone books and, and found where a property name was in the address string, and then we'd send them a letter or whatever we could do. Really? And the same with electoral rolls, uh, radio frequency holders. All of these databases in the old days were, were quite accessible and there was no uh, public uh, privacy act. So we were quite uh, able to, to chew through a lot of information because the, the Queensland government in those days were saying property name is not part of the Ds or title, and um, that it wasn't of any interest to them. And then after that, it was, uh, it was just a matter of keeping going, and we then went on the show circuit for about 10 years. But what happened was, after a while, people knew who I was and where I'd come from and what I was doing, and they had no qualms about telling you any mistakes you've made, and I made a lot.
7: How did you get the property boundaries right, though? While people were were quick to correct you about names of stations, how did you then draw the line, literally?
8: Well, especially with the show circuit, you could go into, say, uh, Richmond, Huendon, Concurry, whatever, and these guys have been there for four generations, and they will pinpoint which block they've got, their neighbour, their brother's and sister's block, and the whole lot. Um, livestock carers used to be absolute gems because they could tell you absolutely everything. And uh, uh, it was just amazing. Um, you know, because you they knew what you were going to do with the information, it made a massive difference.
7: Why do you think people on properties are incredibly proud of their patch of dirt? What do you think that boils down to?
8: They live with a, a type of thing in the back of their minds that, when the, the block was drawn uh, in quite a few cases in the 1945 after the war um, in ballots and things like that, these guys went through bloody hell, you know. There were no fences in some cases. The waters had to be, be dug out and all the rest of for building dams. These guys went through incredible hardship. It wasn't really thought of as, oh, the land was given to you. Everyone did their bit to help improve it every year. Everyone keeps at it. Uh, Some of the visions that some of these guys live with, just absolutely brilliant, you know. But it's not a monetary thing. It's certainly not like that, if you know what I mean. Even the property name is something that was thought of for generations ago and has a specific meaning. Um, A lot of Queensland cattle stations were named after the Uh, ancestors in scotland ireland and england so um uh, devonshire and all the rest of it properties around ilfracombe are named after the town of ilfracombe in england which is in the west coast a little town is quite nice too
7: there are some real tongue twisters too
8: oh look no it's when you get into western australia they have been (laughs) on a on a Vendor of alcohol and drugs before they thought up the name, <laughs> but it's got a, at least twelve vowels, and you can't—you it you looks like a cat's walked across your keyboard. We shouldn't throw off at them; they're just different. That's all. Only joking.
7: Going back to property names, what are some of the more iconic ones that you are fond of from your years of poring over atlases?
8: Oh look, okay. The most common names are Fairview, Riverview, Mountain View. <laughs> the word "view" is quite quite common i just always remember that the ones like bully downs and all the rest of it uh it's i think it's a million hectares anyway but it's just when you talk to the people and then you hear that the story behind uh that's where the great grandfather came from and um like whatever stories of the old six pound palm and all the rest of it coming from scotland to huenden could you imagine that the shock It'd be like going into a bloody another world, you know, another planet.
7: Where have you sent your books and how far afield have your 11 editions and now to be 12 gone, do you think?
8: Well, one to Iceland, which was a bit weird, (laughs) Um, a lot to Florida, um, Tel Aviv, London, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, a lot to South Africa in the earlier days. And uh, what you'll find is uh, as people were, were staying to uh, make a little bit of a migration because of problems within the country, we saw a giant leap as people looked. And what was happening was, uh, for example, we had a South African who looked at properties. And when he saw something you liked, he simply videoed the whole thing, then sent the video back to a group in South Africa of families who were looking at it. And they'd say yes or no. And uh, it it was simply gathering the assets and having a future to show the immigration guys that you know we we've got money we've got assets and uh, we will certainly do our best when we come to your country.
7: Is it fair to say then that land agents, property agents, are possibly one of your better clients?
8: Yes, ah oh, yes. Look, um, we just had an, an order for. 12 wall maps of Australian pastoral stations, so this guy can hand them out to his clients. And a law firm took 10 Queensland wall maps to hand out to his better clients. And uh, quite often, I think there was one guy that ordered 92 atlases to hand out to his people. So these sort of things do happen in the commercial world, but they're still very popular, the wall maps to give people for Christmas, because they can sit there for a very long time. You know, as long as these things are out of the direct sunlight, the old paper maps that are laminated, they'll withstand everything you can throw at them.
7: <laughs> Speaking of uh, the book itself, will the 12th edition still maintain the picture of the windmill with a man and his son on the motorbike
8: in front of it? No, that, that man is not in man and his son, goodness gracious. <laughs> now, the, the windmill is on a property called Amor Down, south of Longridge and uh, that's a 32-foot windmill. It's a bloody monster. The guy on the motorbike is my wife's brother, Bruce Humphreys, and the kid on the, the tank of the motorbike is my son, Benjamin.
2: That is Terry Alec, owner of Terence Alec Mapping Services, speaking to Amy Phillips. I've got a text here from Steve. He says, Matt, I named Tarlee Station after my daughters Tara Marie and Jessie Lee. Tar Station. There you go. Thank you for that, Steve. Uh, that wraps up today's Country Hour. Now, there's no weather warnings in places we go to wear, but the Weather Bureau told us a moment ago that Cyclone Jasper is expected to cross the Queensland coast on Wednesday, and then from there, there is a moderate chance of it reforming.
0: Yeah, there's a moderate chance of a tropical cyclone being located somewhere over quite a broad area including the top end northern waters gulf of carpentaria and cape york peninsula during sunday and monday so the possibility of a tropical cyclone impacting darwin early next week can't be ruled out
2: it can't be ruled out interesting language from the bureau there today on the country hour Anything could happen in the next week or so. It's the wet season. That's what we're here for. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Keep it rural.